we've had a, another great week here in the vineyard. Um, just God's been doing some exciting stuff. And um, I don't know if you remember, we had a guy called Father Columba. I mean, if you were here, you'd not forget him. Mean, he dressed a little strange. And um, he's quite a cool guy. And they brought a great message for us that evening. But one of the things that really stirred in our hearts that night was this whole God voice on our youth in the generation, that particular generation, and uh, really just sense God breathing on it and God reviving something in our community, um, outside the walls. Am I a little louder, but Bumi, can you take me down a little bit? And, um, and so that night, it's really something, I really feel that God burst something in our church again, a rebirth, should I say, and the whole idea of our youth and uh, what God's doing with us and among us. And he also did something in our hearts as leaders, Michelle and I, and also the staff, and I know leaders that we had, we had met, thanks Mother. And um, that was just wonderful. But we didn't expect things just to happen so quickly. And sometimes there's God, the kingdom is advancing all the time. Sometimes we're a little slow, at least I am. I'm always thinking if we say a prayer, then maybe he might come through next month or next year. And God just seemed to come through right away. And some amazing things are happening, and so I just want to share with you, or actually I want to invite Dan to come up, and just to share what happened uh, in one of our gatherings this week, uh, particularly in one school that's just caught at a lunchtime club, so can you grab a mic? Yeah. This one here. Hello? Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm Dan, we're on the PACE team, we're working a lot of the schools around here, and uh, every week we do lunch clubs, so basically we go into secondary schools and we'll just hang out with the kids for like you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, um, and then play some games with them, just kind of have fun with them, get to know them, and then at the end we'll have like a quick talk about something, something from the Bible, something moral, um, a lot of the kids try and leave before that happens, we don't let them, they know they like it, um, but it was, uh, actually both schools had a really great response, we were teaching a, a little lesson about uh, what it means to be in God's plan, and how we all have a piece in God's plan, kind of like a puzzle, we don't see the other pieces in God's puzzle, but were there and there were 25 kids in one of the schools that responded and just to acknowledge like, hey, I, I believe God has a plan. I believe I'm a piece of it. I believe that there's a very specific purpose for me. And, you know, it wasn't like these kids, you know, it wasn't, you know, necessarily them saying yes to Jesus that day, but there are 25 students here in Dungana now who know that, you know, there is a God who has a plan. There is a God who put them in that plan and they know that, and clap if you want to clap, yeah. <laughs> One of them we have uh, 70, the other one we have about 55 or 60, and then the third one there's, we don't even know, they come in and out of that another one a lot. So, but it's over 100 kids every week who get to hear something, you know, some message of hope, some message of, you know, God's here, he loves them, he's, he's, he's on their side, and they need to hear that, especially now, so. Brilliant. Cheers, buddy. Super, super job. Very well articulated. It's very clear, isn't it? Great communicator. There's a gift there. Maybe we'll give you a crack. A crack at speaking. Are you doing anything next week? <laughs> and so, just to let you know also that stuff is happening here on a Friday. You know, in this last couple of weeks, I think we're connecting with something like 100 teenagers on a Friday between our drop-in. Uh, that we just have to open up a space here for teenagers to come on a Friday afternoon straight after school. 
at the time, at that time, it was set up for a, a specific need when there was a bit of pain, still is pain, but there was a lot of pain and uh, heartache, and so we just wanted to create a space for teenagers to come, and I just had momentum every week where teenagers just keep showing up, they're gathering around good leaders that love Jesus and love them, and it's just, it just keeps growing and growing, and then our lab on a Friday night has been really shooting up our numbers, so we've, we've suddenly doubled or tripled our numbers since the start of uh, September, I think that's absolutely phenomenal, so if things are happening in our youth, I want you to be aware of that, not just so that we can say, hey, high five to the Vineyard Church in Ghana, but actually that you'd invest and pray for them, that you would think about the Pace team and Matt as he and Cheryl as they go in with children and youth in the schools and as they connect with them. And I just love the story that 25 people said, you know what, yeah, I'm willing to hear that God has a plan for my life. That just changes generations. You, that the story is bigger than that. I hope you know that. There's children there who are fatherless. There's children there who don't have a, a generation of, of Christ followers and Christ lovers. But these could be the next generation. These could be the people that turn their history and change their future for their families and their families and their families. It's wonderful, isn't it? Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. A little encouragement goes a long way. So today's talk, I, I, I felt a little nervous about today's talk. And um, basically because all the talks that we do here at the Vineyard are geared towards those who follow Jesus and those who are not yet followers of Jesus. I hope that there's something in our conversations every week while you're investigating Christ or you're a passionate follower of Jesus. That there's something in it for all of us as we journey together as a community of faith. We don't assume that everybody that comes through those doors believe what I believe. At least I don't assume that. I don't assume that everybody needs to believe where I believe what I believe. But we're just on a journey here of helping people say yes to God. We're on a journey here of people uh, encountering Jesus and Jesus transforming their lives and, and, and their families and their friends and their work and every environment that they find themselves in. And so we're, we're, we're just a church helping people to say yes to God. That's what we're, we're really about. So this morning's conversation is a little uncomfortable for me because I'm going to talk mainly this morning to those that know Jesus. And so if you're still on a journey with Jesus, you can relax. It's actually a great morning for you to say to somebody that does know Jesus, hey, pay attention. <laughs> this is a should morning too. You can say to him, listen to him, he's right, he's absolutely right. You should be doing more of that more often and uh, quicker. Too. So you're welcome. Just want to say that you're welcome. Everybody, I hope that God speaks to us in some way. You can sit back, you can relax. And I want to talk about investment. We talked about the investment in youth, and you've seen so, so quickly the investment that your money has put into the life of school kids and youth already, and that is not the finished product yet. We are still on that journey with youth, and we have much to see. And I really, really, really believe, prophetically believe, that God is doing something supernatural and something significant with the youth here in Oregon. Please, please pray for that. So I want to thank you for investing in that. So, can we pray? God would just expand our hearts this morning. I, uh, I got excited this morning when I came in. I thought we changed the offering basket. There's a big green skip at the bottom of the hill. And, uh, <laughs> I've discovered nobody ordered it here in your church together. <laughs> God, would you come and would you just repeat yourself? God, would you expand our hearts for those that don't yet know you? Particularly, we pray for the youth in our community today, Jesus. Would you just, just get their hearts, Jesus, transform their lives, bring hope in their hopelessness, resurrect dreamers. God, we love dreamers in this place. We're so, so thankful that you dream over our lives and you've dreamed over this country, this nation, this time. We're so, so 
So excited what you're doing. We're anticipating. We're just leaning into your voice today again. So we shape our hearts, Father. Open our minds. If there's anything there that's uh, just getting between you and us, that nudge, that gentleness of the Holy Spirit, we just remove it right now, Father. Pray that your word would bring life to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you begin by asking your question this morning, if that's okay? And this is not a this is not a put down, but this is just me asking a question to you. This is a question I'm always asking myself. And here's the question I'm asking myself, but I want to ask you the same question if that's okay. Why is it so difficult to invite people to church? Like I don't know about you, but for me sometimes it's very difficult and I do this for a job. So it's sometimes it's just it's so difficult that the invitation and if we're honest it's it's easier to invite somebody after church for lunch, isn't it, than to invite them to church. And it's much more easier to invite somebody to watch a football game or what's that other game? The long every ball? Not golf, no, it's round. It's a ball. Egg chasing. Egg chasing. Thank you. That's the game. Uh, and then the, 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 those things are those things are always easy to invite people to, but for some reason. Uh, when it comes to inviting people to church and even on this gathering on a Sunday morning, we, we find it difficult. And, and I'll tell you from my reason why. I think one of the reasons we find it so difficult is because we're worried about what they might experience when they show up, right? It's funny because I think you're hilarious. Do you know what I mean by that? You're funny. In a good way. Funny haha. And uh, so when I know when people are bringing people to church because sometimes they'll say to me during the week with the book under me or, or Sunday morning say, uh, what are you speaking on? <laughs> and, and they've never asked me all year. And so I used to say sex, <laughs> given, or speaking in tongues. Just so that they feel relaxed and comfortable. Right? <laughs> so the I do. But I, and I'm the same, because I, you remember, you, all of a sudden, everything changes when you invite somebody into these walls. You discover things that you've never discovered before. You see things that you've never, you see like, my. Gosh, there's papers sitting over there. What's in that black box? I've never seen that black box there before. One of my friends sees that black box, and they always see is that black box, and they never hear the words. And I hope he doesn't preach on giving. I hope he doesn't talk about money this morning. And as sure as age and age, sometimes you do invite people, and the talk is about money. Isn't it? And we're worried because we think that if people show up, what are they going to experience? But I know that there are hundreds of people here in Dungan and in the surrounding areas and towns that are just hungry for God. And that's why I want to give this talk this morning. They would love what Jesus taught. You can, you can relax about that. I just want to say some given things this morning. That, to just to set your mind at ease. Because we assume that people don't like Jesus. It's not that they don't like Jesus. Their perceptions of church are just a little funky. And that's okay. Some of those perceptions are, are well-founded. Because we are a pretty screwed up, ragtag bunch of people at times. The church has made a lot of boobs. Um, Let's not say that word. The church has made a lot of mistakes uh, throughout the centuries and throughout the years. And we've got to hold our hands up and say, oh man, if we could do that, we would do it differently. I mean, we, we're, we're crazy. Even the language that we use. Like we had a youth group in, in the 70s and 80s uh, transforming young people and they called themselves the Crusaders. <laughs> I, mean, I don't mean to offend, but that's kind of, it's kind of weird. Isn't it? <coughs> I'm trying to reach Muslims. Crusaders. Uh, and some of our language is a bit funky and some of it's a bit strange, but, but people are hungry for Jesus. You see, people actually like Jesus. 
people actually like Jesus. I have no doubt about that. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people who would follow him, would connect with him, just love to hear what he would say. They would go out of their way to be around Jesus. He was irresistible. And he loved people that weren't yet in the God story. And they loved him even though they weren't yet in the God story. And they would follow him and they would hang on his every word because he was just a beautiful man. He was a great creator. And they fell in love with him. They really did fall in love with them. And there's people in our community today who are just waiting to fall in love with Jesus <coughs> by using that language. They're ready to fall in love with Jesus. And I'm going to say to you guys this morning, a big well done. Because I know that we, by God's grace, that we have stayed committed to making this place a welcoming place. You really have. And, and sometimes we get a bad rap and sometimes we're overcritical in ourselves. You know, we think we could be doing things better. And, and we could always do things better to the glory of God so that it honours God and, and, and inspires others. That's a good thing, right? That we would honour God and inspire others all the time. That's a good thing. That's why we do excellence. But I just want to say to you guys, don't be confused in any way. Don't, don't be in any doubt at all that this is a welcoming church. That people love the reality, that you're honest, that you're open, that you're just who you are. I hear constantly, week after week, people come in here and say they love how friendly this place is, they love how relaxed it is, they love how real it is. This is the language that all of you are using, I'm not making these words up. They say that you're okay. Yeah, you're really okay. But what they mean is, and what I'm saying is, you're okay and God is good. They're experiencing that. You're okay and God is, is good. Another reason why we might not invite people or invest in other people to come into church, and this happens to me a lot of the times. See, when I came into a relationship with Jesus, it was just the best thing. It was just the best thing. You know, people say that God saved me from my sin, and he does, but really God saved me from myself, because I was really screwing my life up royally, without anything else. I mean, I, I, I could actually screw my life up in a week and a day. Right? I can do that. I'm capable of that. I'm genius. Well, uh, and when Jesus came into my life, I found a group of people who would invest in me. And I found a circle where my hurts were hate, where my habits were broken. And I began to secretly hope again, and dream again, and imagine, and live. And it was so, so, so good. And so I would gather in these circles, and I would share that my hurts and my hang-ups, and, and my burdens would be lifted. And it just, it just got good, and it just got better. I can honestly say, following Jesus is the best decision I've ever made. That's why I want to talk about investing in other people this morning. Investing in others that don't yet know. Because we're not trying to sell trickery, we're not trying to sell anything that's, that's bad for people. We're actually giving them the best thing that people can get in their life. And that's Jesus, not religion. And so I would share these burdens. And, but what would happen is me that when I got in this, these circles, and they were beautiful circus, circles, I would get a little tall vision. I would sometimes, and still do get a little tunnel vision, as in, I wouldn't see the people outside of the circle. I would forget about the people outside of the circle. And what I noticed about that, when I stopped thinking about people outside the circle, I would forget about the pain. I would, I would forget about those who have no inner joy, those who have no inner peace, those who have no inner hope, those who have no inner, no inner voice to fill the void, that sometimes their life is lonely. I would forget about those people because I found the circle and I found the space and I found the place where my life is replenished and it's good. Now it is absolutely vital that you find the circle. That's why we do life groups here in the vineyard. We're not just stocked up in a load of hours during our week. We're thinking, hey, what can we do? What can we do to fill the gap, you know? 
We're not, we're not going to get, we're just, we're setting out circles. Our life groups are circles for you to find friendships and you to fall forward into God's grace and his mercy and fall deeper in love with Jesus. That's what it's all about. That's what it's always been about. But there's sometimes in my life when I forget about going outside the circle and then what happens to me is, well, this is just me. I don't feel what I ought to feel. I don't feel what I ought to feel. I'm going to explain that in a minute. And I don't hear, I'm, I'm thinking, why can they hear the voice of God? Because, Jason, you're not listening to the voice of God. Because often the voice of God is with those who are not yet in the circle. Because God is constantly pursuing those who are not yet in relationship with Him. You know that, don't you? Jesus goes out of His way. He, he goes out of His way to find people who are not yet in the circle. That's why He taught us about the lost sheep and the lost coin. Right? And then the lost song is that he is passionately pursuing people that are not yet in relationship with them, not lost directionally. A lot of Christians are just so, so weird. We say to people, I used to say to people all the time, you're not happy, are you? And people say, yeah, I'm happy. And I say, no, 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 no you're, not, you're not happy. You don't have Jesus. And they say, no, no, Jesus, and I am happy. And I say, no, you're really not happy. You don't understand. You're not happy. But they were more happier than me. People are not lost in their careers. People may not be lost in the direction of their life. They may not be lost in their family and their parents. They may not be lost in their passions and their and whatever they do in life. They're not lost in that, but they're lost relationally. When you're lost relationally, you're lost. You're lost. And Jesus just wants to, he doesn't want to get rid of all the passion stuff. He doesn't want to get rid of all the desire stuff that people have in their life. You know, you can still be a good follower and love Jesus. In fact, you'd be an absolutely brilliant follower and love Jesus. You can still have habits and, and good habits. You can have, have football in your life. You can actually like rugby. It's legal. You can like rugby and love Jesus. All those things are good things. You don't have to ditch your desires to fall in love with Jesus. Those things are all legal. But I would forget about people outside the circle. And every now and then I feel the nudge and I hear the whisper, Jason, take a look around. Take a look around. So we're going to do a little heart check this morning. Okay, we're going to do a health check. It's good to do a health check every now and then, isn't it? I discovered my blood pressure was up a couple of months ago. Stuck on the marathons and climbing mountains and just <laughs> crept up, crept up, out of nowhere. And so it's good every now and then just to check. I'm, I'm lying, by the way. Um, well, I wouldn't say I'm lying. I'm just trying to be humorous. And so um, it's good every now and then just to give yourself a little heart check. Just to see, how am I actually doing? What's, what's my health like, my inner health? And I have a great life group this year. I would say probably one of the best life groups that um, I've ever had in Vineyard Church. No harm to any other life group leader, but mine is the best. And, um, and I, we've just gathered a bunch of men. On a Thursday morning, we do breakfast together, we open the scriptures together, and we pray together. And I have found that so life-giving. I have, and, and so what we really do in those Thursday mornings, we just take a, re, a little reality check and see how we do it inwardly, because we want to be inwardly strong. So that we can actually survive the course of life, and when life throws at us, we're okay. We're still standing. So get along to life grip. Find one. If there's nobody in that circle that you like, then create one and invite people into your circle. Is that okay, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> Just ask Dan before we do that, and Esther. <laughs> but it's okay with me. So are you ready to do a little heart check this morning? But let me, let me, let me, let me wrap this up or just guide you into a, a very, very well-known portion of Scripture. It's found in Luke chapter 10. We're going to shoot down to verse 30. I'm going to read it from the Message Translation, if that's okay with you. That's, is that legal? Don't walk out on me. So here we go. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, they beat him up, and they went off leaving him half dead. I love this part, this is very humorous. Luckily, 
A priest was on his way down the same road as fate would have it. But when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. Have you ever done that? Angled across the other side. I, I did it recently. There was a kid knocked down on the link road. And this is confessions of the pastor. Please don't stone me or throw me out. But he, he had hurt himself and then I, I, I thought I could see blood so I couldn't go there. But there was other teachers and medics and paramedics up there, so I, I didn't have to go there. But this, this I'm imagining the priest saw the same thing. He, he's going down there and said, this is too intense. I don't want to get involved in this. This man's broken. This man's, I might have to actually do something. So he angles him his way to the other side. None of you good people would do that. And so then a Levite, a religious man, he showed up and, and he also avoided the injured man. It's not, it's not good, is it, for the religious people? The Samaritan traveling the road came to him, or sorry, came on him. And when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. Listen, when he saw, his heart went out. He gave him first aid, disaffected him, bandaging his wounds. Then he, he lifted him onto his donkey, which today would be a car. And he took him to a hotel or an inn, and he made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins, which was a lot of doing at that time, and he gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Hey, take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill, and I'll pay you on the way back. Great story. The key verse is verse 33. Stay with me. When he saw the man's condition, this is all I want to talk about today, his heart went out to him. The NIV says he took pity on him. He took pity on him. But I love this language of his heart going out to him. Compassion in action. Sustainable compassion in action. It actually drove him to do something. He was intentional about what he saw. When he saw, he did. And he just couldn't hold back. Okay, so here's a heart checkup time for us this morning. When's the last time your heart went out to somebody in your street, in your workplace, in your family, in your college? When's the last time your heart went out? You saw a need, you saw brokenness, you saw somebody without relationship with Jesus. Let's say that. You saw somebody who was in dire straits. You saw somebody who was addicted, who was bound. You saw people who were just broken and just battered and bruised by life. And sometimes life can be cruel. And, and life can be brutal on our dreams. And we see it all the time in our communities, especially with young men. I'm noticing more and more and more. Life is brutal on our dreams. And it bruises us and it leaves us disillusioned. So... All that to say, we've all been on a journey with Jesus. So if you're on a journey with Jesus, would you put a number on how your current heart quota is for lost people and broken people? Could we do that this morning? So we're going from 1 to 10. Give yourself a number there. Personalize your compassion quotient for the day. Are you up for that? You've got to be honest with yourself and honest with God. Um, not what you were like five years ago, not that you're like two years ago, but where, where you are today. And not like if you were super Christian this morning, where would you be? But where are you personally in your compassion quotient? So zero meaning your cold-hearted, right? You, you just have no feelings at all. Like, you know, it's just me and me and mine. I don't really, really care. And 10 isn't your military's a clone. <laughs> all right? So, so personalize that now. Just think about it. From 9 to 10, where are you? Where are you? Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, anybody done that? Let's, let's objectify just one, one more step. Can we do that? I want, I want to get very touchy-feely this morning with this so that we can actually engage it. So put your hands on your thighs and, uh, and then just do the finger-feel thing, you know. Give yourself one to ten on that. Where are you, compassion? <laughs> <laughs> it's good, eh, isn't it? It's like two hands, two hands. Look, Jason, I'm using two hands. Colin, he's holding his hands. He's a dummy, he's a dummy, okay. <laughs> good, 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 good. I'm not checking out. This is this is just between you and Jesus. 
How's it feel? You got it? As best you can? As best you can? Maybe you're, you've been brutally honest with yourself, like I'm brutally honest with myself sometimes. And I, I discover sometimes that my score is scary low. Scary low. But the good news is this morning, don't get shocked. Which would lead you to the, the question, I'm not cut out for this Christian journey. I'm just not. I suck. I'm terrible. <laughs> you know? Other people are Mother Teresa clones, but I'm never going to be there. But all you need to do is, don't lose heart. All you need to do is recover and discover God's heart for the lost. See, when I discovered confessions of a pastor again, when I came here to Dungannon, don't hate me for this, I had secretly thought this thing wouldn't work. This thing called church. Nobody's going to show up. Nobody's going to come hear me. Nobody's going to gather together. And I thought, if I just say yes to Jesus, I'm out. You know, because the most important thing is saying yes. Once you say yes, do you ever do that when you pray for somebody and out in the street you pray for somebody and, and the first time you pray for somebody, you pray for them, but the big goal was that you prayed for somebody and then somebody says, well, did anything happen? Yeah, I prayed for somebody. Yeah, but did anything happen? I don't know. I just prayed for somebody. <laughs> I just yes to Jesus. That's a start, okay? That's a good, good start. So for me, that was a start. I said yes to Jesus. And I thought, no one's going to go to show up. And so God didn't really have my heart. He had my yes, but he didn't have my heart. And sometimes we give him our yes, but we don't give him our, our heart. We, we don't really allow him to, to shape us and to, to him, for him to, yeah, to, to replace our hearts with his, if you want to say that. And so I, I discovered something. I would walk around Tesco's and Sainsbury's and all these shops. It was kind of weird. You see when you come to a new town and you go to the supermarket and you know absolutely nobody? It's kind of fun and it's kind of weird at the same time. You feel the freedom of looking at everybody's shopping trolleys without... Then knowing who you are. Do you ever do that? Do you ever, do you ever find that? I'm just getting this out of my head because it's in my head now. It's nothing to do with the talk. There's no relevance at all to do with the talk. Do you ever find yourself talking to somebody in, in a supermarket and you find yourself in a wee sneaky peek in the basket? <laughs> do, you, do you ever? This is just me. It's a voyeurism. Voyeur, supermarket voyeurism. You take a wee look and you see, oh, and then all of a sudden you think, I'm going to get that. <laughs> uh, you know, in, in Aiden's case, it's a two litre Bacardi bottle or whatever. I'm just joking, I'm just joking, I'm just joking, I'm just joking. Just trying to shift a little religion here in the room today and take it outside. Um, so, so I discovered that I, I wasn't really, I was in the circle, I was in the God conversations, but I wasn't really having a heart for the lost. And God gave me his heart for the people of Dungannon. And it's a beautiful thing. I love this time. I, I say to Michelle, and she disagrees, I say, bury me here. And sometimes she wants to bury me sooner rather than later, depending on the conversation and how we're getting on in our weekly devotional time together. <laughs> but all you need to do is just discover God's heart. Listen to what Jesus says to the Pharisees. Those who looked like they were in, those who were in the circle but never looked outside the circle. Here's what he says to people inside the circle but never looked outside the circle. Listen, this is what Jesus says. Jesus overhearing them. He overhears a conversation going on. And it's not a healthy conversation. I love Jesus. He just gets right in the middle of it. You know, my mama keeps saying this. My mother still says this day, Jesus, whatever you say, say nothing. But that's not Jesus. He has a conversation. Jesus says, he overhears him and says, hey, who needs a doctor? The healthier the sick. It's not rocket science. Go figure out what the scripture means. And that is a put down to the Pharisees. Go figure out what the scripture means. That's like saying to, you know, it's like saying to Jurgen Klopp, go figure out a good formation. You know, go figure out what beautiful football looks like. He knows it. I've lost you. Let's come back again. <laughs> he, 
he says to those people that are religious and who know the scriptures backwards and forwards and who can recite the Torah and who can give you scripture verbatim, the first five books of the law, they can recite that, they can tell you that. And he's saying, hey, go figure out what the scripture says. Ah, oh, I know what the scripture says, Jesus. Oh, well, you're not. You know, because I'm after mercy, not religion. I'm, I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle insiders. Whoa. He drops the mic and walks away. <laughs> If we look inwards, we will never pull this thing off called church. You see, if we're not missional, if we're gathered, never scattered, all we have is an event. And I ain't into events because they're hard to do every week. I ain't selling you crazy around here. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in gathering around the person and presence of Jesus Christ on a Sunday and celebrating together. And I love the worship. I love that we take time out 20 minutes to worship Jesus. And it takes us into love a love relationship with Christ who sings songs to him and he engages and he always comes he always comes and he always comes when we gather around the presence of Jesus he doesn't have to come but he always comes and I'm always amazed that when we open our lips and we open our mouths and we go past that step of, of inconvenience because sometimes it is an inconvenience to worship Jesus on a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock but when we push past that he always shows up and he comes and he heals and he, he just does some beautiful things doesn't he so this will never work unless we get his heart and as we open up and hang about him. Have you ever been around people that are passionate about something? Like anything? I've discovered something. The weird thing is about my life is all my music, for some reason or another, has moved over to BBC Radio 2. <laughs> I've always been Radio 1, but just this last year or two, all of a sudden, whatever has gone wrong out there in the airwaves and whatever people are employing in those radio stations, they've taken all the best music, all the coolest music, all the hippest music, and they've taken it from Radio 1 for some reason or another, and they've moved it over to BBC 2. It used to always be on BBC 1 when I was growing up, but for some reason they've moved it to BBC 2. Yeah. So therefore, I love listening to Radio 2 going to work in the morning. Chris Evans. Anybody else discovered that? But they've moved all the best music on the radio. So last week they had a day of the week. Whatever that day was. So one of the days, I kid you not, it was Wool Day. A day to celebrate wool. No, like sheep, wool. 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 And Derry, we say wool. In Brazil, what do you say? You haven't claimed what I'm even saying. <laughs> You've checked out a long time ago. You're thinking I'm off on Monday. Okay. What do you say, Don Gavin, then? Well, how do you say Peter? Peter. How do you say safety? Safety. Okay. <laughs> so, wool. This guy was talking about wool. I was captivated. He was passionate about wool. <laughs> I was nearly going to go to Harris McMillan's and buy a bundle of wool. I thought, I can maybe do something with wool. I can create things and we can put them up here, left and right. We can make those cheap, crazy, tacky looking banners, you know, like, like sometimes they're meant to be a dog, but they look more like a crow. <laughs> and they've got a marijuana leaf on their beak and it's meant to be a something else. But all I'm trying to say is that when people are passionate about something, it changes in us, it changes our behavior, it changes our excitement. And when we're passionate about, when we're around passionate people, it starts to bleed. When we're around passionate people, you know, I, I could, I, I'm seriously a dangerous person. I could, you know, one thing I could be in the pigeons. 
and then um, could be having mods and Vespas and then, you know, getting tattoos. You know, you never know where the journey goes with me because if I get around people that are passionate enough and talking about things enough, I might even like rugby. Who knows? <laughs> it could happen. And when I get older, I might like golf. <laughs> but he longs. Jesus, you see, when we spend time with God, when we get into his story, when we have conversation with him, we call that prayer. When we open up the ancient scriptures and, and we don't just want to read, but we want to encounter Jesus. Please do not read the story of God to, to study or to learn, but actually encounter Jesus. When we read the scriptures and then we get... We get passionate about them when we get into conversations, when we show up and we get on our knees and we, we present ourselves before God. All of a sudden you can't help but have a heart for lost people. It's impossible to have not have a heart for lost people when we get around Jesus because you become who you hang around with. Ask my mother. She could tell, tell you who I was hanging out with that week. And probably other mothers would say the same thing. You've been hanging out with Jason Scott. And I was saying, my mom would say, oh, you've been hanging out with such and such. The glands, you know, you, everything's bad here, your whole attitude just sucks. Not the glands here, the glands in there, sorry. You see, you can't, be, you can't help but be moved to join the Father in heaven in search of the rescue mission. You, you can't help that, it's going to happen, it's wrong. It's, it's going to happen to you. So if you're new about here and You'll hear me say this from time to time, as long as I leave the vineyard. And I'm going to apologise, I've got out of this, using this language, because people used to say to me, you always talk about invest and invite. And, and then for some weird reason, I started listening to you and I stopped talking about invest and invite. That was stupid. That was dumb. Because then I started looking at the circle and forget about outside the circle. So I'm going to use the language again, invest and invite. Say that. Invest and invite. Say it one more time. Invest and Say it like the guy on BBC Radio 2 that was passionate about the world. Invest and invite. See, these are, this is the key to us being God's authentic community and, and taking on his name called the church. Taking on his name. Because he's tied to those two words. Everything that we do is tied to these two words of investing. And in fact, Jesus did all the time. He invested his life in other people. And he invited him in this circle. He would say, Come. I'm going to your house. Come here, let's go in, let's go hang out, let's get together. So we need every individual here to commit to invest in at least one person, at least one person in your life. That's how it's going to work. And do you know that investments don't mature overnight? Yeah, we all want a quick fix, don't we? That's why we buy the scratch cards. Right? We, 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 all, want, we all want a quick fix. We all want, we all want to win the lottery, right? You know, six numbers. We're all, we're all looking for it. We all want the quick fix. We, we all want investments to happen overnight. That's why we went crazy in the boom. We all bought houses, right? Because we thought, buy a house this week, we'll sell next week, we'll buy another house, we'll buy another house. And people just went crazy. And we were so we were so screwed up. When things went up in price, we thought, this is great, things are going up in price. But in any other same world, and somebody told you things are going up in price, you'd be like, Ooh. Right? But we were kind of fooled and thinking things are going up. House prices are going up, yeah! They keep going up and up and up and up and up and up. I haven't even had a wee device this morning. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is investment takes time, you know, it takes time. It's, it's what, we, what we don't like in the Christian world, just like we don't like in any world, we do not like constant. I don't like it. We don't like constant, we don't like order, we don't like putting time in. You know, I, I, sometimes I want to read the Bible on a day, not a year. 
You know this praying to Jesus every day, talking to him every day? Like every day? Like every day of your life? Have a conversation with him? It, it, that's not cool. It's not sexy. It's necessary for a growing, a growing, thriving, vibrant relationship with Jesus. It's all about commitment. Did anybody ever hear of the Hasta thing that people did years ago? It was the dumbest thing. Uh, and I got involved in it. Because I went round to smart people's houses. And one of them was David Pavey, Neil and Shane. He's now the children's pastor across my coast. One of them was an optician called Andy Wells, a good friend of mine, who was a smart guy. And I went round the house, and these guys were buying these uh, coupons. And, and what they would do is they'd put a £50 in or £100 in, and then this thing would go up to the top, and then they would get out, and then sell these coupons to somebody else. And they said to Michelle, these people are stupid. People are crazy, they just want a quick fix. Guess what happened? I was getting engaged the next week, and all of a sudden I thought, they're not stupid, they're brilliant. So I put all my money from my small bank account that I was meant to buy an engagement ring with, <laughs> and I put it on the Hasta thing. And then that's just what I discovered the power of Mulgrace in Northern Ireland, as we often do, got involved in it. And we had this great idea that we were going to swatter and sell these things around the doors. It's not computing with anybody here, is it? I mean, it's just stupid. It wasn't an investment. It was stupid. So I got wise and I sold mine to another Christian guy in the church and I got an early book in the church. <laughs> <laughs> and they all got stung. Because <laughs> we all want a quick fix. We all want a quick fix. We don't want to invest. We don't want to do the constant. We don't want to do the ordinary. We want something to happen. Yeah, big now, God. Make it happen. Right now. Right now. Make it happen. How we got to be intentional about how we carve out time for people who don't yet know Jesus. People who are trying to figure out this whole God-like thing. It takes time, it takes investment. And that, by the way, these people are not prodigies. These people are not products. These people are not a, a good experiment for the local church. It's actually, this is all about the love of God in your heart connecting with people that God loves. And all of a sudden you find that you actually love these people. And always if there's a love in any relationship, the byproduct is always investment. In any love and relationship, there's always investment. You invest your time, you invest your money, you invest your care, you're forgiven, your mercy, your grace. You invest all those things if it's a relationship of love. If love is a product, then there's always investment, right? If love is a product, there's always investment. So we see all throughout the scripture, inf the scriptures, investment, 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 investment. How are we doing? We doing okay? So we, if we're going to keep on track as we journey together, as we move forward together as a church, I'm going to encourage you to invest. Invest in people. Hang out with God. Get his heart for lost people. I'm not talking about you being a nice person. You already are nice people. People like you. You're okay. Give yourselves a break. I'm not talking about you being a good Christian witness. You already are a good Christian witness, right? Right? In your workplace. You're already doing that. I'm not talking about you being kind and displaying God the character. I'm hoping that you're already doing that. But what I'm talking about this morning is when you pray, it goes something like this. Listen to this. Heavenly Father, open up an opportunity for me to be an influence in such and such life. God, would you give me an opportunity to invest in someone else's life with the goal to seeing them come into a relationship with Jesus? And that's okay. That's a good thing. Because here's what I've discovered. A man with an experience is never at the mercy of somebody with an argument. I have an experience with Jesus. Jesus is good for your life. He's good for your life. 
It's good for your friend's life. It's good for your parents' life. It's good for your, your, your family life. It's good for your school life. It's good for the university. It's good for politics. It's good for the health system. It's good for business. It's good for entrepreneurship. It's good for engineering. It's good for the arts. Jesus is good for everything. Jesus is wisdom. God is wisdom. He gives us good things in life. He's not a bad thing to give to people. He's not another thing to give to people. He is everything that people need. I'm convinced, you see. See, that's the difference between... You know when you're growing up and you, and, and you think about kissing girls? If you're a guy. <laughs> and it's like, yuck. Isn't it? And people say, oh, you kiss such and such. And they're like, no way, no way. It's like, yuck. Girls are stinky and girls are stupid. And, and then all of a sudden you cross the other line. The other side, and you've kissed girls, and you've discovered this is a good thing. I like this thing. Well, that's the same as it is with Jesus and me. Does that make sense? You, you just need to cross over to the other side. Not that I'm. This is not what I'm saying today, going to kiss one of the girls, guys. That's not what I'm saying. I'm, let's just end this conversation. Let's, let's get into the scriptures. So, turn with me to the book of Matthew. Have I got any time at all left? What time is it? 12.10? Okay, I've got a couple of minutes. Let's go fast. Matthew 17, 1 to 8. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and they led him up to High Mountain by themselves. This is amazing. Then he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became brilliant white as that is. There was light. And just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, I love this. Lord, if it's good for us to be here, if you wish, I will build something. That, that would be far from my... That, that's sort of Brian Cummings or Nigel. Nigel sort of speak, isn't it? You know, like, hey, this is good, we should build something. <laughs> it's just because it's the most natural thing. They know what to do. They say, hey, that, because it was all about building a sanctuary, a shelter, a place for the presence of God to come. It wasn't a bad idea. It wasn't a stupid idea. It just wasn't... It just missed. Missed it slightly. Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, we could put up three shelters. One for, for you, you could have a shelter. One for Moses and one for Elijah. They weren't even thinking about themselves. They just wanted this presence to stay continually with them, but they, they didn't understand this where you go, he goes anyway. That was about to happen. And so Peter is thinking, I mean, what do you do in a moment like this when, hey, let's just create three places to worship. Let's create three places to worship. And sometimes when we meet God, we refer to what we know. For these guys, it was the law. It's religion. Sometimes we just we go back to what we know. And God wants to do new things with us. While he was still speaking, a brilliant cloud enveloped them. And a voice from the cloud said, This would have freaked me out for time. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground. It's the only response they could have made. Terrified. But Jesus came and he touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. You get it? Here at the vineyard, as I finish up, we gather as a community of faith from different backgrounds. I mean, we're all, like, some of us couldn't be more different. Socially, economically, even politically. Um, you know, how we think, how we do life, how we parent. We all do things different. We all come from different backgrounds. But I, you know what I love about this place, this tribe called Vineyard? I, I, this is the best church in the world. It has to be. You have to be the best tribe. Because we all come from different sociological 
ideological, political backgrounds, and we've all, all, most of us have fallen forward. We've got this one thing in common. We've all fallen forward into the mercy of God. We've all been touched by the Father and had our hearts healed. And it's a beautiful thing. We've received the mercy and the compassion of God. And the fingerprint of God is, is evident. No matter how different our journey has been today, you could be here today and you're going through a time of doubt. But if you just pause and you look back, you can see the moments when God touched you. When God touched you. The good news isn't something we do to other people. Investing in fight is not a project. It's a person. Good news is a person. The good news is Jesus Christ. He's lovely, isn't he? He's fantastic. We need to talk more about him, not church, but more about him. It's Jesus who touched my life and your life. He's good news. He makes a difference. He makes life livable again. I'm not selling you anything this morning. I'm just trying to give you my experience. He makes life livable again. Remember when he touched you? As if everything else faded away in significance for the first time and all you could see was Jesus. It was just Jesus at that moment. You didn't get caught up in, in church world and, and all the politics and the doctrines. And, and those things are okay. Not, not discouraging or barging any of those things. But, but when he was first and foremost in your life, do you remember that? What if you and I, the vineyard, what if we took a different approach this week? What if we what if it was simply only Jesus? What if we simply talk about Jesus? What if instead of talking about church or vineyard or our ministries, and I love all that we do, I love the compassion ministries, I love our youth ministries, I love our children's ministry, I love everything we do. It's vibrant and it's alive and it's gathered around the very presence of Jesus. But what instead of talking about those things and the label of vineyard church in Ghana, what if we started talking about this man called Jesus? Here's a challenge. See, I don't know about you, but I could easily talk about vineyard and forget about Jesus. I, I'm, I'm guilty of that. But I ain't branding a packet called vineyard. I'm in love with a man called Jesus. It's everything to me. He's changed my life and he's transformed formed it for the better. Jesus is our only conversation. Can I ask you another question just as I finish up? Do you like Jesus? Those of you who have said yes to him, do you like him? Yeah. I think he's brilliant. I like him. Do you know why we carve out 20 minutes of worship here on Sunday morning? Because we love him. Worship. That's just, the product is it's just a product of love. That's why we worship. It's a response to this Christ who changes everything. And even if he doesn't do another thing in my life, he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. Are you intrigued by his teachings? It's a serious question. No trick. Are you intrigued by... by I, I love how he communicates, don't you? love how he includes. Never excludes. I love how he invites people into relationship. I love how he forgives people mercifully. I think he's brilliant. I love... Do you love reading about him? And we, we, we've got some work to do here in the vineyard again. We've got just a little work there. We're doing brilliant. See, there are many currents that run through the church. I'm talking about the big church, by the way. There's new concepts and there's models of ministry. Those are brilliant things. There's new discoveries of biblical themes. I love those. And priorities. There's new movements and the new networks all the time. 
And it's great. New churches are rising up, new churches are being planted, new movements are, are coming to fruition, and new, new churches are thriving and thriving in our country, in Ireland. It's absolutely a beautiful thing. But none of them is more important than knowing Jesus. They're talking about him. And growing in the knowledge, not of movements or works or networks, but moving in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And his person, and his work, and his loveliness. When we get this, we begin to discover what John wrote about the Father and the Son. In John 4, Jesus says, Take a look with the natural eye. From your perspective, you'd say about four months it's harvest time. No, not so, Jesus says. In the kingdom, when it comes to people coming into relationship with the Father, there's no delay. There's no delay. There's no time lag. No sooner has seed been scattered than it's reaped. We live in good days, would you stand?